everybody! Hello again and welcome back to another episode of the Watch Report with me, Jean-Luc Wilk. Climb it up, make some noise. It don't matter where you are, stand up and then flip some tables. Knock somebody out of you with, with, with all your energy and excitement. I don't care. All we care about is getting the word out that the Watch Report is here. It's live. We're not live, soon to be. But right now, <laughs> we're making progress to get there. But right now, and strap in, enjoy the show, leave a like on the video, comment your thoughts and your opinions, and please subscribe. Oh, yes, subscribe. Join the channel. Join the army. Join the empire so we can build this thing up together. We're, we're, again, we're available on Spotify, Apple Music, and all major platforms. So if you're going to listen to it on YouTube, have it on Apple Podcasts as well. Have it on Spotify at the same time. Overload your internet with with nothing but my voice. If, <laughs> if you can. But I thank you for listening. Please enjoy the show. And today it's time it's a boxing day. That's right. We're covering boxing for today. And it's time to step into the ring because, my word, we have an abundance of stuff to talk about today. Without further ado, let's step into the ring. Come on, ring the bell. Let's get it started right here, right now, with round one of the World Report today. We're talking about Terrence Bud Crawford versus Errol Spence Jr. And what the world's going on with a contract dispute? We're going to talk about that on top of in round two. We're going to talk about uh, Devin Haley versus Cambosos in the rematch. And in round three, we're going to cover Joe Joyce in his most recent fight and Shakur Stevenson and the reaction to his most recent fight. But we're going to cover all that. But right now, round one, let's get it on right now. Yes, sir. Terrence Crawford versus Errol Smith Jr. And what's up? It's supposed to happen November. I believe November 19th, somewhere around early November. Or at least that was the case. However, now, my goodness, everything's come to a halt. If you watch Max Kellerman and this show Max on Boxing, as well as reports on Twitter from, from a lot of the boxing uh, of reporters and punch, I can't remember all their names, but most of them are reporting the exact same thing, which is the fact that it seems like it's not going to happen in November. It might happen in December. might even happen early next year, or maybe even Long with the way boxing works, shooting might not happen until December 2023, for all we know. And the reason being, for those who are underwear, is the fact that contract disputes are the main issue, and Terrence Crawford is not going to sign. Now, many people would say, hey, he ain't signing. He's scared. Oh, excuse me. He's scared to fight. Just hit my mic in, in, in my excitement and in, in exuberant uh, enthusiasm for this topic. But it's, it's a big deal. Because normally people would say, oh, boxer doesn't want to sign. Hey, he's scared of who? He's scared of his opponent. That buddy doesn't want to fight Errol Smith. He's scared to get whooped. That's not the case. That's Don't get it twisted. Terrence Buck Crawford is not scared to fight Errol Smith Jr. Who is scared, however, in this situation is, from the, from the optics of what I can see, Al Heyman, who is the promoter of PBC, Premier Boxing Champions, which is on Fox, in that boxing promotion, and the promoter for Errol Spence Jr., his prized possession, his pride and joy. So because of that, Al Heyman is the one getting, get, that should be, and rightfully is, getting all the eyes on him, and all the spears chucked his way, saying, hey, what the world? And here's why. Terrence Brooke Crawford and Errol Spence, they agreed to the fight in words. And then a couple of months ago, he was like, okay, cool. We are making, it's going to happen. We're making it so. I even made an episode on it. 
if you're going to go back and go to the archives of this channel, please. Oh, yes. And on Spotify and Apple Music and every other major platform you can think of. <laughs> Shameless plug. But either way, I talked about this earlier when it was first announced and then seemingly got a green light for everything to happen. Okay, cool. It's going to happen in November. Everything's all well and good. Boom. No problems there. The problem is Terrence McCall was not going to sign due to the fact that there's no transparency on Al Heyman's part. What does that mean? Here's the skinny. Here's the main problem. Terrence Bud Crawford, in agreeing to this fight, also agreed to take the minimum, not the minimum, the, the lower end of the fighter's purse, per se. For those who don't follow boxing, every fight is not a 50-50 split. You have whoever's seen as the bigger draw or the bigger talent or whatever. If you're a champion, you get the majority of the money. And then another fighter gets less of the money. How much of that percentage is given to each fighter? Well, that's in the contract dispute. And normally that turns into a big issue. However, in this situation, Terrence Bud Crawford, arguably the best fighter in the world, who is looking to unify everything and wants this fight more than anything, has agreed to take the lower end of the purse or, the, or get the lower amount of money as opposed to Errol Spence Jr. so that he can just have the fight because he wants this fight so bad. However, he's not signing because of the fact that with him taking the lower percentage, okay, he only, the, the main thing that he asks for is transparency about the books or transparency in terms of, okay, how is the money going to be divvied up? I agreed to take the lower let me see what the whole financial outlook of this contract is going to be like from Al Heyman's side. That's it. That's all he's looking for. And he'll sign the pen and paper. He's already agreed the amount he's going to take. He just wants to see, okay, what's that amount split going to be in, in, in Al Heyman's eyes, who is the other promoter. That's it. Seems like a reasonable ask, right? It is. I've already said how much I want. Let me just see the numbers for myself. It's not bad. If anything, that's justifiable. If anything, that's expected for somebody that's taking the lower end amount of money. The lower end of this fight purse. But Al Heyman is reluctant to give up that information. And has, and has not agreed to essentially let Terrence Crawford see the books or see the financials for this fight himself. And because of that, Terrence Crawford is hesitant to sign. Now, is Terrence Crawford correct in this? Absolutely so. You don't want to get scammed. You don't want to get gypped. He's still got family to feed. The butter's still got a life that he wants to live, and he wants to be set up for his family, himself, and future generations. So absolutely, when in a fight this big, with this much at stake in terms of legacy as well, knowing how much he's going to bring in in terms of revenue, with what he's already agreed with, okay, cool. Look at the books. It's a reasonable ask. Al Heyman isn't going to let, is not allowing that to happen. Hence, postponing this fight. This begs the question of whether he's ducking. Is Al Heyman the one that is not letting this fight happen because he's scared that his prized possession, the main guy in his stable of fighters, is going to get beat? Now, again, to educate people who don't know all that much about boxing and just interested in the fight itself, let me break it down. In fighting, in boxing specifically, it's not like the UFC where everybody's under one banner. 
I believe I talked about this earlier, but here's the, the summary right now. In boxing, there's a bunch of different promoters that host fighters and put them on television. Because of that, everybody has a statement. Hey, I run top rank on ESPN. I want to build up the fighters that I have under my promotion in order to get a bigger draw as time goes on and as they develop. They can, they can have a bunch of fighters. But there's, there's about four or five, in the best case scenario, there's about four or five within a promotion that a promoter specifically hones in on and builds up to say, hey, this is one of the best guys in the world. How they do that is, is, is to whatever they want to do. But how they do that is a lot of times gyps the fighting fans because they give them no disrespect. But compared to their talent level, they give those premier fighters bums to build up their record. But nonetheless, they build up their record, become stars, and then boom, now they have this big, essentially, puppet that they can hold up and say, hey, if you want to see this guy dance, go out and pay this much money. We can demand this much money from you to see this guy dance and put on the shelf for you. That's essentially what a promoter is. Scummy, it's sleazy, it's bad, but it is what it is. Now, some people treat him right. Some people don't treat him right. That goes from promoter to promoter. Either way, point still stands. That's how the business of boxing works at this point in time for a number of years. You go from Tyson, from Mike Tyson, Lennox Lewis, going even further back. Promoters have been a thing. I hate it, but it's the case. But because of that, they have control to a degree of who a fighter fights. They can hold up a fight if they want to, for whatever reason, even if the fighter wants it. And that's what it looks like is going on with this situation. This is why I hate boxing. This is one, no, excuse me, I love boxing. This is one thing to hate about boxing. One of the biggest gripes is the politics of boxing. Three, two, one. The politics of this sport is what's ruining the sport. Every time we get a major fight in play, something always happens to either put it in jeopardy, call it off, or have a bunch of sleazy things happen that essentially makes the fight prolonged. To the point where we might have to wait three, four, five months before it actually happens. It's horrible. It's terrible. It's absolutely horrendous. But it is what the sport is at the moment. It's one of the reasons why boxing has shot itself in the foot for a number of years because of this dumb mess that they be doing. Every time they have an opportunity to build up and make something special, it takes so long for it to actually get done or politics happen and it gets called off completely. And it's all because promoters care so much about records of their fighters. To a degree, fighters care about the records as well, but not as much because they just want the fights. 
Most fighters are poised to want to show they're the best in the world. And to do that, they are willing to fight anybody. But the promoter may see it as too big of a risk for their prized possession of a boxer to go up against a certain guy because they could lose. And if they lose, it hurts the bottom line of the promoter because now in the public eye, ooh, this guy is now damaged good. Even if he only has one loss on his record. This guy's damaged goods. We can't promote him as vaunted as we want to. Now we got to try to go and scramble to find the next big thing instead of just sticking with the guy that we have. If you're not a Canelo Alvarez, if you're not a Tyson Fury, if you're not an Alexander Usyk, if you're not a Ryan Garcia or going back to previously retired Manny Pacquiao when he was fighting, Floyd Mayweather, and names that carry that much weight. They can't build off of you if you lose. It's just the nature of the beast. It sucks, but it's reality. But even though it's reality, doesn't mean that that should be the norm. And since that shouldn't be the norm, we need to start making some noise. So yes, put the blame on Al Heyman. Because right now, it's not. I'm not blaming Errol Spence Jr. No, he wants to fight too. He's ready to go. He's poised and ready. He ain't what he, he don't he could, he would want this fight to happen right now. Shoot, both of them would want to fight each other tomorrow. That's how much both of them want this fight. That's not the question. The prop the problem and the real question is why is it that Al Heyman doesn't have trust in his guy? Why is it that Al Heyman seemingly doesn't believe that Errol Spence Jr. should be in this fight with Terrence Bud Crawford? Even though this is the biggest fight of this year, if it would happen. This would be a mega fight. This would be a huge fight. The only thing that many people would even think to be bigger would be two things. Undisputed heavyweight championship of the world between Tyson Fury and Alexander Usyk or Floyd Mayweather coming back. That's it. Those are the only two things that could even, that would rival how big of a fight this is. That's it. Not Tank Davis versus Ryan Garcia. Not Devin Haney versus Javante Davis. Not, no fight would be bigger than this fight. And the amount of money that it could make would be extraordinary. However, it's because of a lack of faith from Al Heyman towards Earl Spence Jr. He doesn't believe that he can win. He doesn't believe that Earl Spence Jr. can beat Terrence Bud Crawford. Yes, is this speculation? You could say yes, but also with as clean cut as Terrence has made this fight to be able to be made, and nobody else in line to actually fight L. Spence Jr. 
This is the fight that should happen, needs to happen, and is the only viable fight for L. Spence because everybody else that is remotely a competitor has been cleaned out by the both of them. Danny Garcia, Sean Porter, Amir Khan, Kel Brooks, everybody, your Ordonis Ugas, gone, beaten, retired. All of them, all of them gone. Mikey Garcia, gone. There's no other fighter that needs to fight any of these two than each other. And it's the promoters that's holding it up. Politics of boxing. Every time we get something good, we mess it up. Did you know that boxing used to be the biggest sport in America? It used to be. That's not hyperbole. That's reality. That's a fact. Bigger than baseball, bigger than football. Boxing was it. It was it. It used to be. If you want to argue it wasn't that, okay, fine. It was top three. And it wasn't three. You could argue it was two. Because when a fight happened, people were come out in droves. Droves to see that. It was all you could talk about. It was all you wanted to talk about. It had that spot in American sports. Overseas is huge. Overseas is major. But here, nah. We shot ourselves in the foot. Why? And not just we, but boxing as a whole. The only reason why it has more weight over in overseas is because the fan base is a lot more ravenous, a lot more... A, a, a rabbit. They love that sport, unlike how we do here. It's to a degree. It's because of the fact that we haven't had an American champion in but so long as a heavyweight. Deontay Wilder was, and then well, we started to get some popular, and then boom, lost again. We don't have that. Fi- Mike Tyson was the last big boxer. In America, outside of Floyd Mayweather, that everybody universally knew who was American. Everybody keeps talking about him consistently to this day. Nobody talks about Evander Holyfield. Nobody talks about Lennox Lewis. Nobody talks about, again, outside of Floyd, in any major capacity, at least to the degree that Tyson was when he was vaunted. Deontay Wilder had 10 title defenses as heavyweight champion. Was getting some, again, has a fan base, but not nearly as rabid and not nearly as followed. Even though he was the modern day equivalent of George Foreman, not in skill set, but in terms of just destruction in the heavyweight division for his time. A knockout artist who was American and and could talk and could back it up. Granted, his talent wasn't there, but, he, but the results were still the results. The brother, if you wanted to see a KO, you went to see him. But he didn't capture the imagination nor the, the heart of America like Mike Tyson did. He didn't. 
So outside of that mythical figure that was Mike Tyson, America lost interest. And we could have kept interest if boxing didn't devolve into what it was devolving into in the time of Tyson. Which and, 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 and even earlier on, which was failure to give us what we wanted when we wanted due to boxing politics. Adding belts, adding a plethora of promoters, all this stuff, which, like I said in a, in a, in a past video, essentially made it so too many cooks in the kitchen Trying to make the same cake. Too many people trying to make the exact same thing, which is a superstar. And because of doing that, taking shortcuts to make their cake seem like it's always the best in the world. Giving them ho-hum ingredients or substitutes that are, are inauthentic to make the cake seem oh look at how big it is look at how look at how much look at how many different layers we can put on it instead of giving us what again back in the day when Ali Frazier Tyson Roberto Duran Tommy Hearns Marvin Hagler Sugar Ray Leonard when it wasn't fluff that made these fighters great, it was the actual substance, the pure ingredients of facing strong opponents in their prime and beating them, and then beating them twice, if need be, beating them a third time. Rematching if it was a tough fight, coming back and for a meeting rematch after a loss. If you lost again, guess what? You fought the next man, it's the guy, and then you built your way back up to fight the guy that beat you. It ain't hard. If you fought a close fight, guess what? You fight again. If somebody was ahead of you, you fought him. No questions asked. It took substance to become substantive as a boxer. Now, however, with the way boxing has devolved, you can put somebody and fill them with fluff and people will still say they're the genuine artifact when that's not the case. And then when push comes to shove, and now it's time for you as a promoter to put your guy, your cake, against somebody else's cake or somebody else's is cooking. Now you see what happens. Stuff gets all jumbled up. All of a sudden, there's problems everywhere. Even though you still want to talk about, oh, yeah, my guy is the best guy. Doesn't make sense at all. Doesn't make remotely any sense at all. But it's the truth. And it's the harsh truth. It's the hateful truth. I hate the fact that this is the case. I hate the fact that this is what we had to deal with as boxing fans. And if you're new to the sport, this is not what the sport should be. The sport should be. Every time you go and see a fight, it's a good one. Every time you go see a high value fight, guess what? It's, it's immediate. There's no waiting time. 
there's no, you got to hear about how good somebody is and hear fans go back and forth. Oh, he can beat your guy. No, he can beat your guy. No, your guys are bummed. No, your guys are bummed. You don't got to hear that. Outside of a couple months and then boom, it happens. It should be. I can't wait to see this fight. Now let's see what happens once the fight happens. Up, oh, the fight happened. This is what happened. This is what's going to happen next time. No, this is what's going to happen next time based on what happened with this guy. Oh, my guy got beat, but he's going to come back because he later in the fight, he found his success in da-da-da-da-da. If we rematch again, or rather when we, we rematch again, guess what? It's going to happen this way. No, this is what's going to happen. My guy dominated your guy up until XYZ round. Guess what? He's going to fix the changes that he had that lost him those rounds later in the fight. Now when he comes back, he's going to completely dominate. No, 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 that's not the case. Yes, 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 that is the case. Rah, 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 rah. Build up to the rematch. Boom, rematch happens, and then another great fight happens. That's how the sport should be. Have your fans. Have your fanatics. Have all of that. Absolutely. Have your supporters. But it shouldn't be that we're waiting on the fight to happen and we're only basing fighters off of the hearsay of their supporters. It should be that we're basing it off of the actual talent that happens in the ring. Between the two, once they fight each other, that's what should happen. Is it going to happen? We have to see. And with this fight, are contract disputes going to hinder a mega fight, potentially the most impactful fight of this generation of boxers? We, I can't even say yes. Because, again, if you look on Twitter, Terrence and Spence are going back and forth talking about, yeah, it's going to happen. Yeah, it's next. Earl Smith Jr. said it. Yes, this fight's next. Don't let nobody tell you any different. Okay, that's fine. But you should know as the boxer under the promoter, and I should know as somebody looking at you and your promoter, when get you want to fight, but your guy's holding it up because he doesn't have faith. If that's the case, then you should leave him. Plain and simple. Become a free agent, as they would call it. Promote yourself. And make the fight happen. Because right now it's the people who control you, Earl Spence Jr., that are not allowing you to build up the legacy that you feel you deserve. You cannot let, and boxing fans, we shouldn't let this happen either. We cannot let promoters rob us and rob the fighters who put their lives on the line every time they go in for a boxing match. We can't let them rob us of seeing greatness develop. It happens too much, too often, and on a too consistent of a basis that we have to put our foot down and say, hey, we're not standing for this anymore. We can't. And boxers, if this happen, if this is happening to you, leave your promoter. Because I'm sick of every time 
we get on the cusp of seeing something great. Somebody above, uh, somebody who's at the top, pulls some strings, and then boom, fights off. Or makes a complaint, makes stuff jumbled and convoluted for no good reason, elongates when this fight should happen, and then, you know, we get Manny Pacquiao versus Floyd Mayweather. Ten years after it should have actually happened. We get these super fights that happen later on down the line when both people are past their prime and when the real threat of between each other is now gone. Say what you want about whether Floyd Mayweather would have still beaten Manny Pacquiao 10 years ago. I'm not arguing that. I have my opinion. You have yours. But the one thing that I do know is even if I believe that Floyd would have still beaten Manny Pacquiao, guess what? I'm more confident that he would have beaten him 10 years ago uh, after it should have happened versus if it had actually happened when they were both at their prime. Because say what you want about how fast Floyd is and his IQ and all that stuff. Oh, he's Mr. Untouchable. Manny Pacquiao at his best had a shot at beating him and had a good shot at beating him. Very good shot at beating him. Manny Pacquiao had the power, had the speed to keep up with Floyd, had the endurance to keep up constant pressure for the entire fight. And because Floyd Mayweather didn't have a lot of power at that stage, again, mind you, this is after Pretty Boy Floyd, who had power in both fists, it is the money team Floyd, who was, if you forget, had brittle hands just like his father, Roger Mayweather. As Roger Mayweather's career went on, his hands got brittle and injury prone. Floyd's same thing, hands got brittle, were not, again, and became up, went from just being a, a, a great defensive fighter with power, who had pop. He had great power. He had power. We're scoring knockouts. And then what, what, he, what, he, what did he go to? The floor we know today. Defense what people call running, even though he's not running. But people called it running. It's the sweet science at its finest. But Floyd, 10 years ago, still good. Uh, still, excuse me, better than he was when we saw him against Pacquiao, but understand this, Pacquiao was a lot better than what we saw when he fought Floyd Mayweather. A lot better than what we saw when he was in his prime 10 years ago. Yeah, you better believe. I would have said, you know what, he he could knock him out. He could. It's not out of the question that he could. He could catch him because of his speed and unorthodox offense. Can, can overwhelm the Philly shell that Floyd has. And because of the lack of power that Floyd has, he could be unafraid and be willing to take risk to the point, that, okay, yeah, I'll eat some punches, but I'm going to land what I need to land. And with that speed and dexterity and the angles that Manny Pacquiao at his best was able to, 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 to shift and attack on, Oh, he could give Floyd some problems, and he could beat him. 
That's a close fight, whether you want to believe it or not. Whether you want to believe it or not, that's a close fight. That was a close, that would have been a close fight. If you said you didn't know who was going to win it, guess what? I wouldn't be mad at you. And if you said you thought one of the other would have won it, okay, fine. But guess what? You could not say, oh, it's going to be a whitewash. No, you couldn't. You'd be stupid to say that. You'd be stupid to think that. You'd be ignorant to think that as a boxing fan. If you're going to say dumb stuff like that, that would have been a close fight 10 years ago. But guess what? It ain't happened 10 years ago. It happened well past the prime. So saying Floyd Floyd Mayweather would win, hey, at this stage, sure. Yeah. Absolutely. But in their prime, guess what? We could be talking about a completely different story. Because of what, the, what they were and who Pacquiao was and who Floyd was, was hotly contested. And just like we're seeing what that anticipated fight, when it was at the height, is its zenith of anticipation. We're seeing that right now with Terrence Crawford and Earl Spencer Jr. Don't let boxing politics make this fight go the route of of Floyd versus Pacquiao. We got to wait until, again, mind you, both of them, in terms of Earl Spence and Terrence Buck Crawford, are 31 and 35, respectively. Don't let it be that there's 39 going on 40. 34 going on 35. And now that's when they fight. Don't let that happen. Don't let that happen. Don't don't rob us like that. Don't do that to us. Lord, don't do that to us. But it can be done to us all because of, say it with me now, boxing politics. The hardest opponent in boxing, boxing politics. The most, the most ruthless, aggressive, unforgiving, dirty opponent that any boxer will ever face, boxing politics. There is no greater, there is, I, I, I get, there's very few things that boxers have to fight through outside the ring. Boxing politics is one of them. Excuse me, let me rephrase that. There's a lot of things that boxers have to fight with in and out of the ring. But there are a few things that will be as big as, first off, the repercussions of a career on the body, which we've seen varying effects. And then secondly, the politics of boxing robbing you of what you deserve in your career. By playing better defense than Floyd Mayweather could ever play, than Nicola, than, than, than Niccolo Loche, Pernell Whitaker, James Tony, better defense than any of them combined. Block every attempt at a boxer being able to get the fight that they deserve. That's what boxing politics would do. And I hate it. Al Heyman, you look like a duck. You look like you're ducking Terrence Buck Crawford. Not L. Spence. You look like you're ducking Terrence Crawford. You are the one that's looking like the weak person in these whole talks because you don't have faith in your guy. 
And if you don't have faith in your God when it matters most, guess what? You're going to lose your prized possession. Because if they lose, they lose. Guess what? They get back on the side and they keep fighting. It ain't hard. But because people are so desperate not to lose their undefeated asset and make it more about the record of a fighter than the actual fighter. Stupid stuff like this happens. Lord, I hope it changes. I hope we don't get this. I hope this is not what transpires. No, we actually get to fight. If not November, at least this year. Because every second that this fight doesn't get made, every month that this fight doesn't get finalized, we're going to see a worse and worse version of what should be the biggest fight of this generation. And as a boxing fan, as a sports fan, as an analyst, and as somebody that to you, the fans, hopefully the fans of this show who want to hear straight truth. This is bad for us. And this is bad for the sport. And I don't want to see it. And you shouldn't stand for it. Shouldn't stand for it at all. Absolutely not. You should not stand for this. Let's hope it changes. But moving on for the next round of the day. Round two with, who was it? Devin Haney versus Cambosos in their rematch for the Undisputed Lightweight title. Specifically, who's going to win? And the real question of whether Devin Haney's getting the respect that he deserves. Now, first and foremost, who's going to win this fight? Well, it shouldn't be a big surprise if I say Devin Haney because of how dominant Devin Haney was in his first matchup. If you watch the first fight, which I believe I covered, but if not, here's the, here's the spark notes of the fight. Devin Haney, first round, out-jabbed, and just beat Cambosis to the punch every single time, and then it was the same thing for the rest of the round. Same thing for the rest of the fight. And guess what? I think that's exactly what's going to happen in this next fight. See, if you enjoy the sweet science of boxing, you need to watch Devin Haney. That man, he has no pop. Can't put somebody out. But this brother is so slick and has such good ring generalship. And is so fast on top of being accurate. He can score all night long and make you look silly. Mind you, Cambosos has got to beat Teofimo Lopez, who had the majority of the belts. And... Again, knocked him down and gave him work. Granted, Lopez had a chest issue that could have killed him while the fight was going on. But we didn't know that going into the fight. And he was still fighting like Teofimo. Albeit different tactics, but still, we saw the heavy shots. We saw the, the speed. We saw the countering ability that he was trying to employ. He just got beat. And then Cambosis, when he goes to fight Devin Haney, Boom, completely outclassed. Now, guess what? It's going to happen again. Cambosos, unless he lands a knockout, he can't outbox Devin Haney. He can't outbox Devin Haney at all. 
There's no way in the world that he's able to outbox Devin Haney. Devin Haney right now can be viewed at as, or should be viewed at, as the top guy in the division. Solely because of the fact that he has the undisputed title. There is no other belts in the division outside of the belts that Devin Haney has. He has collected every single title in said division. Hence the name, Undisputed. And what does that mean? You should be viewed as the Undisputed King. And the way he performed against Cambosos, guess what? He still has stick to that claim. Absolutely so. However, and this is where the bigger question comes into play. Why isn't he getting the respect that he deserves? That's the issue that I have, specifically with boxing media. And to hopefully, to change the minds of how you fans view this sport. You got big names like Ryan Garcia, Javante Tank Davis, Vasily Lomachenko, and the lightweight division as well. Again, the division is a top-heavy division, meaning that of all the people that are ranked, the only big threats are within the top four, top five. The only big, like the only major guys are in the top four and top five. For this, for this case, top six. Again, Isaac Cruz is a bigger threat. Cambosos isn't really a big threat, but he's getting a title rematch. But the major are Javante Tank Davis, Vasily Lomachenko. Those are those are the two. I was gonna say I did say Ryan Garcia, but I don't think he's coming back down to 135 pounds. So I think that for him, he's he's gonna stay exactly where he is and keep fighting up. I doubt that he's gonna fight down at 135. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right now he's at 140. He wants to stay at 140. If he comes down, it's only for Javante, and that's it. He's most likely going to force Javante to go up to 140. But for the topic at hand, Javante Davis, Vicente Lomachenko, Isaac Cruz, and I would have said Joseph Diaz, but he lost to Devin Haney. So there's nobody else in the division outside of those two, Vicente and Javante, that are gaining, that are a challenge for him. However, what's happening? He's not getting the respect that he deserves. Devin Haney, undisputed champ, is being overshadowed by Javante Tank Davis. All because of, oh, look at the power that he has. Oh, he's a dog. Oh, he's a pit bull. All that stuff. And Vasily Lomachenko, who's making his return, Getting the respect that he deserves, mind you, even with the two losses, he's still one of the best boxers in the world from a talent perspective. Should he be ranked? Absolutely not in terms of top 10 pound for pound, but he's still one of the best fighters in the world. But he's getting more respect than Devin Haney, who again is the undisputed champ. And then Shakur Stevenson, who just came up from 130, moving up to 135. Active his win against Costa Sal. 
He's even getting more shine than Devin Haney. And that shouldn't be the case. Devin Haney is the top guy, point blank, period. Devin Haney should be viewed at as the man to beat in the lightweight division, point blank, period. There should be no other question as to whether as to whether or not he is the man that everybody wants to face to be seen as the best in the division. But guess what? That's not the case. There's even some rumbles out there that, that actually, no, one, one fighter, I can't remember who, but one of the fighters said at the best, I think it was Ryan, it might have even been Ryan Garcia. I could be wrong. Fact check for yourself, because I, I believe I'm correct. It was either Ryan Garcia, maybe even Tank Davis, but I think it was Ryan Garcia. But Ryan, when asked about, and if it wasn't Ryan, it was one of the one boxer. I know that for a fact. But it, one boxer, when asked about going for the title, said, paraphrasing, the title isn't even the biggest thing on my mind. I want this fight. What? Are you kidding me? That should not be the case. The title should be the main attraction and the main goal for any boxer. Any boxer. And if you got undisputed, everybody should be gunning for your butt. Not whoever's under you. It should be that I got to face him to get out of my way so I can get to the undisputed title. But you, yourself, are not the biggest issue. You are just a hurdle. That's what any opponent that is not champion should be viewed at as. Yes, I got bad blood. Yes, you're seen as one of the biggest obstacles. Let me get you out the way so I can get to Dawson McGall being a champion. Dawson McGall having the right to a belt next to my name, to that C next to my name. It shouldn't be that a fighter who doesn't have a title is the biggest, is the, is the biggest a claim to fame that I'm looking to reach. No. No, that's not the case. No, that shouldn't be the case. And for you fans that think, oh yeah, you're absolutely right. Ryan Garcia and Javante David, that's what should be on, on his mind the most. No, it should not be. The biggest thing on his mind should be your title. Bar none. Bar nut, I don't care who is in front of you. There is no, there are few people. There are few people in boxing history who a win over them is almost as valuable or equally as valuable as winning a championship. Few. Who do I think that's the case? Tyson, when he lost to Buster Douglas because of how vaunted and how feared Tyson was at that point in time. He was bigger than a title for his time. He was bigger than the title. His name was bigger than the title. And him having the title even made that title even more legitimate. But his name and that title, they were, it was neck and neck. At least from my vantage point. 
Sugar Ray Robinson, if you beat him, that's some major stuff. But outside of that, outside of that, no. I would I, I, I would say Ali, but I think Ali's name, while, again, the big, the greatest name and the greatest in terms of greatness as a boxer, the, the greatest of all time. That came, for me, more so towards the end of his career once he started appreciating everything that he did during his career. Could you forget, he was hated. People didn't like Ali. A lot of people didn't like Ali. It wasn't until later, later in his career when we all, okay, now we got to appreciate him. Now we appreciate him to the point that his name is bigger than the title. But that was by the time that it happened, later on. Now we look back with the glasses that we should have had on when he was during his career. We didn't get that until later on and after his career. Once he was on his way out of the sport. That's like this like that with many boxers. And many things in general. People don't get the appreciation until after they're gone. After they're done with what they've done. But there are few names that could even compete with if I beat you, that is huge. That is major. And that's almost as good as winning a title. Very few that reach that pinnacle. And nobody in this division is one of them. And the fact that people are saying that that, that fight is what should be the biggest instead of he should have his eyes on undisputed. No, I hate talk like that. And if you hear talk like that, that should be a clear sign as to where his priorities are. And if it's not on a chip, if it's not on a belt around his waist, that's a problem. That's a problem. That is a problem. I'm cool with having rivals. I'm cool with having goals. I'm cool with having fighters that you want to face. But that should not be. That should not trump anything. Anything outside of a title. Shoot, I got Ali's name on right now. Again, going back to that previous point. Ali. You you can make an argument that beating him was just as big as winning a title. If you wanted to. Or almost as big as winning a title. You could if you wanted to do that. Again, I hold my ground. Ali didn't get to this level until later in his career when people were looking at him with reverence and not during his career or not during his, the, the height of his prime when for the majority of the time he was hated. Many people wanted to pay to see him lose, just like with Floyd. But that should not be Nobody in this generation reaches that pinnacle. If I can beat him, that's that's a point of my legacy. Nobody in this generation has that type of cachet in any way, shape, or form. So no boxer who's fighting in this generation should be 
ever talking like that, making a fighter bigger than the title. Nobody should be doing it. And the fact that that's where the sport right now is headed, or right now where it's at in terms of how boxers in the modern day are thinking, for and these are the biggest and brightest. These ain't some, you know, up and comers who are just making a name for themselves. These are guys who are established, who have viewed it as the next, the bringers of a new generation of boxing, heralds to a new era. This is how they're thinking. That is horrible. That's absolutely horrendous. That is not how it should be. And that's one of the biggest reasons why Devin Haney is not getting the respect that he deserves. Because people have put the boxers over the title that boxers are fighting for. And it's, that, that, it's stupid. It's ignorant. It's, it's fanatic fandom at its worst, in my estimation. Because again, it's, 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 it boggles my mind that people think that having the title that essentially says I'm the best of everybody in my division doesn't actually mean that you're the best in everybody's division or the best in your division. Now, granted, there are some cases where that actually is the case in terms of, hey, Buster Douglas was champ. It wasn't actually the best. There's a, there, there's a lot of... So, so, so it's, it's, it's warranted, but in terms of he's still the guy to beat, it shouldn't be that I'm looking for anybody else outside of who's at number one. Everybody else should be, let me get you out the way. That's what it should be. Yes, there's been times when the best, when the champ isn't the best from a talent perspective. Absolutely. In the NBA, it's the same thing. The team who wins the title may not be the best team in terms of from a talent perspective in the entire league. But guess what? There's still the team to beat come next year. Whenever teams play them, guess what? They want to prove a point that no, we are better than you. Even though you won the title, we're better than you. And with boxing, it's the same way or it should be the same way, even but just even on a more personable and intimate level because of the fact that there's not five guys that got your back. It's you and him for the belt. So I'm better than you, even though you got the title. Nah, you're not the best in the world. I am. That's how it should be seen with boxers. That's not how it is with boxers. For some. And if those some are the biggest and brightest, that is a major cause for alarm for boxing fans, 
and people who love this sport. Because nobody's bigger than the title. At least nobody right now is bigger than the title. Again, if you're not Sugar Ray Robinson, if you're not Rocky Marciano, And even if you're not Joe Lewis, and even out of all those names, Sugar Ray's the only one that I would ever say definitively, yeah, beating him was was bigger than, if I beat him, I would consider that on par with winning a title. That's the only man in boxing history that I would concretely say that about. For any, I don't care. I do not care. That's the only guy the only man I would ever say that about. You, you would have to make an argument for anybody else. Again, I said definitively. I'm talking about that's the one person I would say absolutely yes to. If you want to see Ali Tyson and whatever, hey, you got to make some claims. You know, hey, yeah. Only reason why I said Tyson was because of the fact that Buster Douglas had no business being in the ring with Tyson. He was literally put in, put in as a stagnation, not a stagnation, as kind of a between fight fight for Tyson to fight Evander Holyfield. So nobody even gave a hoot about who Buster Douglas was. And nobody even nobody thought that, that fight was ever even going to be a thing. Who paid money to see Buster Douglas fight Mike Tyson, knowing that Buster, has, on on paper, has no shot, has not shown anything previously in his career to show that yeah he can beat Mike Tyson. He was put in as a fight between the mega fight. Tune up for the main event. That's the only reason why I said that about Tyson being even in the conversation for yeah beating beating him was as big as beating the title. It's only because of who Buster Douglas was in the eyes of the entire boxing public. Such a big, quote-unquote, no-name that the fact that he did it, oh, shoot, that's his stake for the rest of his life. That's your biggest claim to fame. You beat Mike Tyson. It's the truth. Even if, I, I believe it was for the title as well. Even if, yeah, it was for the title. If it wasn't for the title, that still would have been, oh my gosh, he beat Mike Tyson. That is what If it was a top-ranked fighter that could, that was like, okay, hey, this guy's elite and belongs in the same realm as Tyson in terms of, okay, yeah, he can fight him. Not saying he's going to win. Not saying he's nearly as good, but he can fight him. Buster Douglas was so far removed from that equation. That's the only reason why I said that Tyson could even be seen as in that conversation. 
But as for, for him, that is a one-off instance as to why he would be that big or why he would be bigger than somebody or just as big as somebody winning a title. That's it. That's a caveat to Tyson. With as big as he was at the height of his career, if it wasn't Buster Douglas and somebody else beat him, I wouldn't be saying that was bigger than actually winning the title. If they beat him and he didn't have the title. At his peak. Big accomplishment, not bigger than winning a title. Only reason why I said that about Buster, if he beat him even when Tyson didn't have the title, is because of how far removed and how nobody cared, nor few, a lot of people didn't even know who the world Buster Douglas was because he did not belong in the same realm as Tyson. That's the only caveat for why Tyson would even be a mention. But outside of that, Sugar Ray Robinson, only person I would deem as worthy to be bigger than or just as big as a title if you beat him. Nobody else. Everybody else you have to make arguments for for me. And those arguments, Tyson, Ali. That's about it. That's about it. Maybe Rocky Marciano. But again, those three, you got to argue for me. Sugar Ray's the only one I'm definitive on. That's it. So boxers need to step up and start thinking like boxers. I'm not saying all, but those, I'm not saying all of them think that way. But those that do think that, that an opponent is bigger than having a shot at the title, no, it's not. And if that's where your mind is, it, it, it's a cause for concern. It's a very big cause for concern when it comes to me viewing you as a legitimate threat to or, or as, as a legitimate um, competitor for a championship. Because now, if it's, it, let's say it's not the guy that you want to fight, but he has the title, are you going to go at it as hard? Are you going to train as hard? Are you going to commit all the way to it for the fight? Just because he's not the man that you want to face? Because apparently the title doesn't mean as much to you as facing that one guy? Uh-uh. No. That's a problem for me. It's a major problem for me. Huge problem for me. Should be a huge problem for you too, whoever's listening. Huge problem for you. But finally, for the last round of the day, Talked about Shakur Stevenson earlier, moving up to the lightweight division and beating Costasau. He did beat Costasau. But now, off of that, where do I think he's going to be able to go for his career? And Joe Joyce, as a legitimate competitor, competitor for any of the four titles, specifically whether he can fight Usyk, or Tyson Fury. What's my opinion on that? On all of that? 
And how do I think it's going to pan out for each of them? First off with Shakur Stevenson. Shakur went, dominated Constance Dow. Again, the brother, if you watch the fight, he won every round outside of one because of a point deduction. That's it. That is it. The problem is with people who watch Shakur. Many people don't think, okay, he's got that exciting factor to him, similar to Devin Haney, but he does. You can view him as, as one of the most well-rounded boxers in the division, if not in all of boxing. His ring IQ is so far above so many other people. His ability to, his ability to, to control distance and be able to evade you just by moving inches away, never doing too much, always being just out of range of what you want to do, never putting himself in danger. It's incredible. Always accurate. It's never throwing more punches than he has to and connects nearly every time, and especially when he gets in rhythm, he will tee up on you. Three, four, at one point in time, five-punch combinations. The only problem that I have with Devin Haney is that he does not have power. He doesn't. He can knock you down with a smooth counter when you don't see the punch coming or when it's well-timed. Sure, because he's growing. He's getting bigger. Again, he grew out of 130. He missed weight facing Constancell, facing Constancell when he was fighting at 130 pounds. Now he's saying that was his last fight at 130, moving up to 135. Now for the foreseeable future, most likely he'll move up to, to 140 once he fully grows. But he doesn't have power to his game. Hence, a lot of people call him a boring fighter because he doesn't finish people off. He just does enough. But if you watch him, you see he does have pop. He's got pop to his punches. They won't knock you out, but they'll sting and they'll make you pause for a second because they're snappy. Snappy, deliberate, and precise. And I love that about him when I watch him fight. But one of the things I hate about it is the fact that he is not able to finish the job when he has somebody hurt on the ropes and completely outclassed. That's my only gripe with Devin, with not Devin Haney, with Shakur Stevenson. Because as opposed to Devin Haney, Shakur has the ability to put somebody out if he committed to it, but it would have to be through volume. And we've seen, if you watch him fight, have the ability to land consistent shots on his opponent, especially when he finds his rhythm. Later in the rounds, especially after rounds like six, seven, eight, and nine, once he gets into those deep waters and completely has his man figured out, he can land anytime he wants to. And he'll have his guy hurt. And he'll have his guy tired and befuddled. But he never puts him away. And it's because of the fact he doesn't have that one-punch KO power that would just be able to end stuff, be able to stun him and have him wobbling. He doesn't have that, but he does have precision and volume if he ever committed to it. 
but he doesn't commit to it. Again, only throws as much as he needs to, but that can be a detriment as a boxer because of the fact that if you do that, you no matter how good you are, you leave a you leave an opportunity for somebody to be able to throw some haymaker shot out of desperation and potentially land on you instead of just ending it when you got the chance. That's the only thing I don't like about Shakur Stevenson. You have enough, you have, why you don't have one punch power and major power? You have enough power and pop that if you went and landed in volume, when you saw you had somebody figured out and committed to throwing in, in not just spurts, but with constant pressure, you would mitigate a lot of those openings. You wouldn't have to take people into deep waters. You wouldn't have to have to constantly you know, look to, well, I got to evade, slip, evade, slip, block, dodge, and do all that beautiful boxing that you do because you could take somebody out by ref stoppage because they can't defend anything because you're able to land everything. You could do that, but he doesn't because he's so fine-tuned to never let himself get in danger. And for him, that means always being safe and only throwing when I need to. If I want to knock him out, I'm going to throw three hard shots and then I'm going to wait to see what he's going to do. And then throw one more hard shot or one more counter shot and then go back to, okay, we boxing again. Instead of going, not, I'm not saying go for broke, but what I am saying is, Throw consistent five-punch combinations. If you got somebody backing up and and you see going to defensive, don't mitigate your offense. Force the rep to step in. Don't leave that opportunity for somebody else to, to, to throw a major shot that can potentially catch you. Because if you watch his previous fights, when he fought Oscar Valdez, had him figured out, was, was doing whatever he wanted with him. Even doing some illegal stuff by holding his hand on his head before throwing a shot, which you cannot do. You can't do it. You can't. You can't stiff arm an opponent. You can jab and maybe manipulate a guard before throwing it, but that's got to be quick. That's got to be within a certain point that most guys will let go. This brother was stiff arming like like Derrick Henry and then throwing a shot. No, you can't do that. He was getting away with it. But he was able to do that and anything else he wanted to do in that fight, completely outclassing Oscar Valdez, taking the title from him. But if you watched... Later in the fight, even when he had him figured out, Oscar Valdez found success by landing just straight. Let's see. What was he? Is he Southpaw or Orthodox? Can't remember if he fought Southpaw or Orthodox. But he was landing just straight shots. If he was Orthodox, he was landing straight rights without throwing any setup and just consistently connecting. Consistently connecting. Once arounds off of that, just consistently connecting off of the straight shots. Whether it was a straight right or a straight left. Whatever power hand he was he was throwing. Whatever power hand he was throwing. Whether it was his left like this, whether or or me, whether it was his left like this or his right like this. If he threw that butt naked with no setup whatsoever, it was landing on Shakur. And he was started to land that throughout the rest of the fight. Throughout the entire fight. After rounds like what? Eight? Seven? Found success. And just he still lost some of the rounds, but won some as well off of that tech. And just kept on doing it. 
And that's because he was able to, he, Shakur couldn't get him out the ring. He couldn't get a ref stop. He couldn't get the ref to say, okay, he's taking enough punishment. He can't defend this onslaught. We got to stop. That's what I don't want Shakur to keep running into. I want him to be able to consistently finish off opponents once he has them figured out by throwing in volume and mitigating later round success by his opponents that can potentially, even though he's outclassing them, leaving the window open as the fight goes on can lead to disastrous effects. Don't believe me? Watch UFC. I come, watch my reaction when Kamar Usman lost to Leon Edwards after dominating the entire fight outside of round one. Dominated the entire fight. What happened? Couldn't end it. Didn't commit to the finish. And then boom. Weave. Uh, excuse me. Wrong way. Weave. Went for the block. Pop. Pop. Got caught with the leg kick. Done. One of the most iconic moments in UFC history. Right there. Because he could not finish the job once he had the guy completely figured out. That's what Shakur can potentially run into. Not saying he will. But it's a threat. And it's a looming threat that I don't want to happen. Do not want that to happen to him. Because if it does, that's it's going to be very, not just very major in terms of the outcome. But in this climate can hurt the stock of a boxer when you don't when you lose. One loss can ruin the cachet of a fighter. Whether we want to believe it or not. Because people value the undefeated record so much. Both in and outside of the ring. Even though true fans of boxing just want to see the fights. Between good boxers. You can lose and still be great. But many people don't see it that way. And so if he gets caught. Because he's he's, he's just towing the line for somebody. And just leaving some tension. Or leaving some flack against the opponent in the later rounds and not finishing the job with the precise volley of punches that I know he can do to get the ref to stop the fight, we can see a potential for him to get upset and and lose off of a straight shot. And I don't want that to happen. That's the only thing I don't like about his game. Everything else, what? Incredible. That's the only thing I hate about his game. The fact that he just needs to commit more to being aggressive and throwing volume on offense once he has his man figured out. Because he can get him to the ropes anytime he wants to because of his IQ and intellect. The problem is capitalizing and getting the ref to step in by consistently landing precise shots instead of letting his opponent, or instead of resetting rather, and letting his opponent try to find another opening before going on the attack again and then countering off of that. It's not what he needs to do. That's not what I would like to see him do. But outside of that, this man's a real threat. This brother can come up and be a real viable boxing threat to Devin Haney right now 
is considered and should be considered the best boxer at the lightweight division. And purely from a boxing perspective, in terms of technical prowess, him versus Shakur would be incredible to see. Technical wizardry at its finest if both of them fought against each other. Devin Haney still being the guy to beat for the entire division, especially for Shakur, who's just coming in. But that would be a spectacle to see if, I, if that fight actually does happen. Oh my gosh, that would be beautiful. Beautiful if that happened. But to move up and to get there, he's got to be able to finish the job on a consistent basis. It's the only gripe against him. Outside of that, the brother's going to be a monster in, light, in the lightweight division. Mark my words. He's going to move up to top five very quickly. Very quickly. He can move up to top three incredibly quickly. And then from there, it's Vasily Javante and, most importantly, Devin Haney. Tank Davis, The Matrix. Excuse me. Tank. Javante Tank Davis, The Matrix, Vasily Lomachenko, and Devin Haney. That's going to be his, his top-level gauntlet that he's going to have to run. But he's going to get there, mark my words. Trust and believe. Trust and believe. And then finally, with Joe Joyce fighting and beating Joseph Parker, knocking him out in the 11th. Phenomenal fight. Great action. The brother, I've never seen him fight outside of Daniel Dubois. When he messed up his eye with nothing but an onslaught of jabs, constant jabbing aggression, I had never seen him fight outside of that one time. This man, this man fights like a worse version of George George Foreman. It's not bad, but he's got George Foreman esque abilities. I believe if you if uh, Shelby is the adult. If you watch him as a boxing channel, he said that same thing as well. And I wholeheartedly agree. He fights like a George Foreman. Looping shots. Just if he gets you in the corner, just. uh, 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 uh. It's like that. It's exactly like that. Now, again, none of the footwork, none of the ring generalship, none of the ability to force his opponent to go where he wants to go. He can't push his opponents around and control their actions like George. Nowhere near as good. Absolutely not. But you see some of these similar qualities in terms of how they fight or how he fights and how George fights. And this brother, I see what power they were talking about in terms of just an onslaught of these big shots. Mind you, Joseph Parker had never been knocked out up until this fight. Joseph Parker is a former champion. Joseph Parker is a real deal. Joseph Parker is tough. And while I don't like Joe Joyce's defense, this man's skull is incredibly durable. The brother took some huge shots by Joseph Parker and just kept on walking. Just kept on moving. Just kept coming forward. And evidently, or not evidently, 
inevitably, he made Joseph Parker use so much energy from constantly bouncing around the ring and throwing shots that were just having no effect, even though they were huge shots. They had legitimate power. He made them tired just by sheer pressure. He threw body shots, yes, but it wasn't even the body shots that made him hurt. It was just the sheer pressure. And somebody as big as Joseph Parker having to keep mobile and keep moving on the back foot, constantly weaving and dodging and slipping and, 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 and stepping to keep safe from Joe Joyce's monstrous power. And just that lumbering, blunt aggression. And that powerful jab that, again, Joe Joyce ain't fast. He's just consistent. That's what Joe Joyce is. Joe Joyce is just consistent. He would just consi- come forward and boom, 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 boom. You'll just see that all night. Boom, boom. A one, two. Or if you use the, 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 the custom model method of numbered punching, the seven, two. That's seven, two. Seven two one four. Excuse me, one three. Do I have that right? Yeah, yeah. Seven jab, two right hand, one left hook, three right hook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had that right. <laughs> I, I know my boxing. I had that right. But that, that's what he'll do. It's slow. It's just consistent. It's just consistent, and it's it's one of the he's one of the few boxers that the weight of his punch will make you not want to throw and only look to evade, or maybe maybe not even evade, just take it and open play. It's like a slow moving ball of death. Those huge forearms and hands that just swoop in. Boom, you feel the weightiness of his punches. You can see it through the television screen. There's so much behind him. It, 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 it almost makes the opponent stop for a second. You have an oh shoot type of moment. However, even with all of those talents... Even with him knocking out a person that had been knocked out, even with Joe Joyce being a legitimate threat in the division, he, at this point in time, I don't think he's going to be a major threat unless I see him evolve to people like Usyk and Fury if he gets up to that level. First off, he's got to get past Deontay Wilder. And I don't know if his big head can take consistent punching from Deontay Wilder. And depending on what Wilder we see when he faces Robert Hellenius, I really don't know if we're going to see him be able to survive that then. Because if he's able to get him on the, if he's able to get Wilder on the back foot, just like Fury did, okay, hey, we might have a different story. Only problem is, yes, Joe Joyce has a slow motor, and the more the longer the deeper a fight goes, the longer he can go. However, point still stands that in this generation of bigger boxers, 
big heavyweight specifically, that weight isn't that size is not always the best asset for you because you can still get winded. Joseph Parker later in the fight when he knocked out, excuse me, Joe Joyce when he knocked out Joseph Parker in the eleventh. Guess what? He was winded in round nine. He has better stamina than a lot of the boxers in the heavyweight division day, but still, he was winded by round nine. Tired and leaning on the ropes of Joe of Joseph Parker in round was it ten? And just put out an all-out flurry in the eleventh. But if that flurry hadn't ended in a KO, guess what? He would have been leaning on the ropes again. So it's still the stamina issue that's the problem. Everybody ain't Tyson Fury. You can still go in deep waters and still throw combinations. And Fury, even if he was tired, can just lean on you with this size. Because he's just that massive. But with Joe Joyce, while he's still big, and yes, he killed lean on Deontay Wilder, but Wilder's had Fury all over him. He ain't probably ain't worried about Joe Joyce, how big he is. Probably not. And I don't know if Joe Joyce can take two or three right hands of Wilder. Or even worse, five unblocked, unabated punches from a Deontay Wilder in succession. Because when Wilder goes wild, he ain't, he, don't, he don't even know what he's going to throw next. Let alone the opponent. We've wondered about it. I've wondered about his right hand so much, and understandably so. I, I ain't even talk about his left hook, his uppercut. While it ain't, there ain't a lot of technique, guess what? It's still just raw power. It's still just raw power. This man will just start throwing windmill punches from any direction, and they'll, and they'll still land. Regardless of what I think about his boxing ability, this man from every angle is a threat for any punch. Tyson Fury even said that when he blocked a punch from Wilder, he felt it in his hand. He felt it in his face. Calling Wilder the hardest punch he ever faced. Unequivocally. That's what Joe Joyce should be going up against. With not nearly as great of a defense, not nearly as good footwork, not nearly as a good, good distance. Cool, he's got a good jab. Fine. Still, everything else that's lacking against opponents that had all of that. Again, Luis Ortiz, the two times that he did fight Deontay Wilder, put up a legitimate fight and was good. Had him stunned in the first fight that they had before getting KO'd and then was winning all seven rounds against Wilder in the second fight before he got KO'd. And that's off a one shot. Not even. It was, it, it was again, that was just a, 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 a in-range right hand. Wasn't even fully extended. For Wilder, with, if you know how Deontay Wilder throws, that punch was pa. It's just like that. Boom, pa. That's it. And he was done. Wasn't even lunging. It was almost so quick that you that you didn't even register. It. Oh shoot, he's down. But he but it happened. And Luis Ortiz at that point in time was viewed as a real threat in the entire division. Was avoided by a lot of fighters. 
A lot of fighters avoided Luis Ortiz. And he had great defense on top of a great offense. Joe Joyce doesn't have that really that great of a defense. He doesn't. His main defense is, I can tank anything. Throw something at me, just bouncing off. I don't think that can happen against Deontay Wilder. And then let alone going up against people like Usyk and Fury, who are so mobile, so fast, can keep up head moving for so long, can easily outmaneuver you and your slow speed. And if you don't land that jab, I don't really know what else you're able to do. Because if you can't set up the jab to land if you're Joe Joyce, I don't know where the rest of your offense comes from against those two fighters and Fury and Usyk. Because if you can't land that, now you're just throwing looping shots. Not, none of your, your shots don't have speed. They, they don't. And if you're just throwing looping shots, you're going up against technical wizards like Usyk and Fury, who had the best head moving in the heavyweight division. Instincts and, and ability to predict what you're going to throw. And reaction speed, you ain't hitting nothing. So no, I think he's, so yes, I think he's a threat in the division. No, I don't think he's going to be champion as long as those two are champions. If he wants the undisputed title or take the majority belts from Usyk, or is it the WBA or WBO belt? One of the, one of those two belts from one of the, whichever one is WBA, WBA or WBO, what, whichever one it is from Fury or the majority from titles from Usyk, he can't do either. He's not going to be able to do either. He's not going to be able to do either. Unless he finds, again, unless he finds a way to consistently land that jab against high-level tacticians that don't get tired. Stamina is the biggest thing. If he can land that for somebody that can keep up head movement and evasion for multiple rounds, as well as effectively counter, instead of, like Joseph Parker, relying on one big shot, I don't think he's going to be champion, at least while those two are champions. I don't think he's going to be able to take those belts on, on, while those two have the belts. I don't think he can have if it does, hey, we're going to have to see. But the main thing is, can he get past Deontay Wilder? And can he withstand the power of Deontay Wilder? Because he's going to take some shots because he doesn't have good defense. And if you think he's going to be able to withstand, I could give you, okay, he may be able to take one or two clean, hard shots from Wilder. But if you mean to tell me he's going to be able to take three-plus clean shots, Potentially every round. No. I don't care how good you think his head is. You're out of your mind. You are out of your mind. You are out of your mind. To think that he's got that type of chin. Until he shows it, uh uh-uh. Because Joseph Joseph Parker landed clean. At one point, he landed clean, and he did. Stop him in his tracks before Joe Joyce kept coming. 
There was one point in time in that fight when Joe Joyce got caught with the shot from Justin Parker and he took a pause for a second before he kept, before he kept lumbering forward. And credit to him. But, uh-uh, no, that ain't happening if you face Deontay Wilder. But if you take one good shot from him and you stand up, that's, that's, that's applause. But if you mean tell me you're gonna, you, that's going to be the defense that you play, that's going to be the defense that you enact and you're able to hit, you're able to get hit like that for multiple rounds against somebody who is right now considered the hardest puncher of this generation and one of the hardest punches of all time on par with Ernie Shavers, George Foreman, Joe Frazier, Mike Tyson, Joe Lewis. I'll even throw for pound for pound Julian Hawk Jackson. And he's in that conversation. Coupled with his, he moves so quick that you may not be able to react to his athleticism when he comes in with those punches, especially off that one, two. Or again, custom auto numbers. That seven, two. That jab straight that he likes to throw. If he comes off of that, and you can't react, and you never do that for multiple rounds, no. No, 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 no. I, I, I would be shocked. We just have to wait and see what he becomes in the heavyweight division. I'm excited for him, but I don't think we I think we need to hold our horses when it comes to talking about how good Joe Joyce can be. And whether he can he can compete with the again upper echelon of the heavyweight division. Because while it is top heavy, he's not at that level yet. He's not. He's not there yet. Let me get some more wins under his belt. Let me show. Let me see some more wrinkles. Let me let let him show something that actively says, "Okay, hey, he can be a real threat to take the title." Because right now he's just a real threat to put up a entertaining fight. As Jim Ross used to say, would say on WWE and AEW, if you watch it, a slobberknocker. He's the guy, he's, he, right now, he's the type of fighter that, that when he fought, we would be saying, oh, business just picked up, in the words of Jim Ross. Business just picked up. But I, I wouldn't pick on him to win. He'll make it exciting, but he ain't going to win. No. Not at this stage. But as time evolves, wait and see, and let him become a better fighter. And then we can have that conversation. Don't jump to conclusions right now when talking about Joe Joyce. Do not. Because he's not there yet. He's got to show me. And if he doesn't show me something more, uh-uh. I'm still going to say he's just a contender. Not a threat. A contender. Unless he proves me wrong. But if he doesn't, hey, it's not bad. It's just a fact of the matter. He's not where everybody's trying to push him to be. And if your fans stop pushing these up-and-coming fighters as, oh, they can beat da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. They can beat the champion right now. 
Oh, he's going to knock out da-da-da-da-da whenever he gets a shot. Oh, he's right there with... No, no, uh-uh. No, uh-uh. You got to prove your worth before I can give you worth. You got to prove your worth before I can give you worth. Not as a person. No, everybody has worth as a person. But when it comes to a boxing talent, and if you want to be put in that conversation of I am part of the elite in this division and the elite in the world... You got to prove your worth for that claim before I can give you worth for that claim. Because right now, all you fanboys and people that just want to talk, talk, are just talking. He ain't show nothing that shows he can beat Usyk, belongs in the ring with Fury, and can take any punches from Wild. We just know that he's tough. We don't know that he's that tough. And all the holes that he has in this game, People just seem to overlook. Don't overlook that. No. Call it out like you see it. Just like I called out Shakur when later in late in fights, in recent fights I've seen him in, his opponent, no matter how good or bad they are, consistently finds at least something that works. And he's not able just to nullify completely. No matter how dominant he is in a fight, there's always one thing that I see happening where it's like, oh, the opponent has found something. Oscar Valdez, the lead straight right or left hand. Constance was, found, was finding some success when he threw in volume on the ropes against Shakur. More than once. So that's a problem in this game. Like, and that's why I said end it when you can end it once you have the guy figured out. Don't let him be able to come back with, oh, we found something that works. I'm about to spam the mess out of this. Until something great happens, because something great can actually happen. And the same thing goes for Joe Joyce and anybody else. It does not matter how good or bad the public eye, uh, excuse me, it doesn't matter how good the fighter is in the eyes of the fans. The truth is the truth. The problems are the problems. And greatness is still greatness. You can still be great. But don't overlook the problems that are apparent in, in actual reality. That's concrete set in stone stuff that needs to change. Because if it doesn't, we got issues. And all you people that are just trying to push your favorite fighter to the moon, even though they have no business being there, yet... Now you're going to be crying, oh, how can this be? No, how did you not see how this could be? Don't let fandom overshadow the truth. Becoming a real fan doesn't just mean you support who you like. I'm not saying you don't support who you like. Support who you like, absolutely. However, understand that that does not mean that you need to be ignorant willfully ignorant of what your fighter cannot do. I love Canelo Alvarez. That brother doesn't belong anywhere outside of 168 in my estimation. Because if he does, he's only going to hurt his longevity and he's not going to be able to get where he wants to go in terms of winning a title there. He's not. And I don't want to see him Throw one pot shot 
combinations. Like we were starting to see as his career is going on. Those are problems. Those are problems. Whether you want to agree with it or not, those are problems. That's just the truth. Terrence Buck Crawford takes risk. You know, I think he's one of the best, if not the best fighter in the world. Takes risk and, and sometimes can take too risky of a risk, even though that's how he likes to fight. That's a problem if he gets caught because he's been knocked down before. And if that does happen against Errol Spence, then we might be looking at a new champion, a new undisputed king, a new pound-for-pound king. We could. That's not me trying to be fickle or me trying to throw hate or throw shade. That's the reality of how he fights. And that's the reality that, that can be a problem in the way that he fights. Again, taking off the fandom, taking off the, the, the glasses of fandom and fanaticism and looking through the lens of truth and reality. When you do that, you'll be a lot better. You'll be able to enjoy the sport and whatever other sport that you enjoy on a higher level. Without having to worry about, oh, I got to support my guy through thick or thin. No, you can still support him. You just call out what's wrong when it's wrong. That's all you do. Let's call out what's wrong when it's wrong. And then when they're right, guess what you do? You're good. You are good. You are good. Once that happens, you're good. You're good. You're good. And you keep it simple. And you're carefree. Because if they win, great. If they lose, guess what? Oh, I can't wait to see him back in the ring. Can't wait to see him fight again. Still my favorite. Just needs to fix this, this, and this. Can't wait to see him fight again. And come back bigger, better, and stronger. Not hard. It ain't hard. Y'all just want to be hard-headed. That's what y'all want to be. Once y'all get over that, you'll be a lot better for it. Trust and believe. But this has been another episode of The World Report. I'm so happy that you all tuned in. Again, leave a like on the video, comment your thoughts and opinions. Subscribe to the channel and share with everybody that you know. Get on Apple, Apple, Apple Podcasts, uh, Google Podcasts, every other platform. Thank you so much for listening. This has been a treat. This has been a joy. Again, we're going to still come with a lot more stuff that happened a lot more news to cover you're gonna be tuning in right here share the channel with everybody that you know let's build an empire let's build a community thank you all for for watching be blessed have a great day and tomorrow's friday y'all can't wait for the weekend so peace and love we are out of here <laughs>